Hello and welcome to Life as a Vampire, a Vampire the Masquerade V5 campaign. So for this episode, I I get to do something that I've been really looking forward to, and that was setting up Kay's first feeding session. Now, I kind of had a couple ideas for this. Uh, I essentially envision maybe the NPCs that I would like her to become closer to, taking her out on a little bit of a field trip where they kind of teach her the ropes. My first approach to this uh, was to kind of stake out a location. I had been getting a kick out of, like I had mentioned in one of the earlier prep episodes, uh, being able to just pick a neat looking location on Google and then just print out a map and go from there. So I started with a location and, you know, this is World of Darkness. So I started by looking up uh, areas around San Diego that might be, that might have a higher crime rate or a higher homelessness rate to keep some degree of realism as to where these, you know, vampires might be doing their feeding. And at this point, I've kind of started using some of the philosophy behind the Lazy Dungeon Master rule book. There's a book called Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, and it kind of lays out some rules for campaign prep. It's really meant for people like me who tend to over-prepare a bunch of stuff that never sees the light of day. So I've been trying to take a few pages out of that book, but I've also learned that for this game, I like a little more prep. But I was over-prepping a bit, but let me be more specific. So first of all, they suggest you come up with a strong start, right? So I created a strong start for this campaign, or for this session. My strong start was, on the last night of a comic book convention, not Comic-Con, Kay awakens with a hunger she has never felt and must learn to feed from her new teachers, Armand and Shion. Now, these are two characters that I want her to get closer to, I feel like they're the best ones to kind of fit into a natural spot where they can guide her through the rest of the Chronicle. So this is kind of one of those missions where they get to know each other better. The comic book convention, not Comic-Con, is supposed to be a joke, like a running joke that it isn't Comic-Con, but we'll see if I actually get to use it or not. And the next thing I did was kind of map out my scenes, like where I picture things really kind of changing gears. Uh, So I have three mapped out for this. The first just says, you know, take an Uber with Armand and Shion to the overpass, where Kay must deal with hunger and learn to feed. Then the second is Kay returns to Kondo to find her husband is gone with no signs of a struggle. And then there's like a text message exchange at that point. The third is Shion makes a detour to where Yuki stays Uh, to try yet again to convince her unsuccessfully to leave with him. So basically what I did was I outlined these three scenes, not that they're going to be visited in order, but these are three possible scenes that could come up depending on choices that Kay makes. Now I know to some degree I'm still preparing stuff that may never see the light of day, but that's just kind of how I like to do things. So these are my three main things that I see that could happen. Uh, So I did a little bit of prep for each. So... For my locations, I try to think of three key points to keep them uh, unique and interesting. Today's location is the Overpass, uh, which is basically a homeless encampment in Palm City. This is the area that I chose. There were, when I googled, like, 
crime areas, high crime areas, San Diego. This was one of the cities that came up. I don't have anything against Palm City in real life. I don't even think I've ever been there. Uh, but, you know, I did my research and this is what I chose. So no offense to anyone. Now, one of the key points that I wrote down to make it interesting is a dusty city block's worth of dirt, rocks, weeds near an overpass off the 5 freeway. The second point is filled with dirty tents, litter, graffiti, and dozens of needles on the ground. The third is dozens of homeless sleeping in tents or sleeping bags all over the ground. So these three points are not anything that I share with Kay. These are just things that I'm supposed to read them and immediately envision the scene and immediately envision where I see things going down. The next thing I did was create some NPCs that they, you know, the group may run into during this. I'm a real fan of sandbox adventures. I like creating the location, creating the NPCs, and then just letting the characters do what they're going to do. And then I kind of put myself into the role of those NPCs and react how I think they would react. I know that there are some guides out there that'll say, just pick names. All you need is names and then, you know pick an actor or a character from a TV show or a comic book and do that, but I just don't feel super comfortable with that. I like to create stuff from scratch. As you guys can probably tell, I'm kind of doing a little bit of homebrewy stuff. I'd like to keep things as close to the actual, you know, Vampire the Masquerade canon as possible, but I don't know a ton. I, a few weeks back, I bought a Humble Bundle that had a ton of, like, V20 books, so I have been reading a bunch of those and learning about those characters and that lore, and there are a lot of great YouTube videos out that kind of cover the lore and whatnot. I've been catching up as much as I can, and as I, I think I mentioned in the introduction podcast, I, like, buy every V5 book that comes out, so I have a bunch right now. I have the Chicago by Night, uh, you know, the Anarch book, the Camarilla book, the Core book, the Quick Start Guide, the Dungeon Master Screen. I kind of went a little crazy. Uh, but I have all that stuff too. So I'm learning the lore as I go. But I also want it to be mine. So I'm just going to use that lore as an inspiration and not necessarily swear to it. Or I want to put my own twists on stuff. I hope that's not too offensive to you hardcore fans. But that's my plan going forward. Long story short, I did not take any specific NPCs out of those books just yet. Uh, I kind of created my own. So I came up with three uh, humans, homeless. Um, One's named Jiminy, the other is Ricardo, and the other is Consuela. And the only information I included for them is just a one-sentence, you know, summary of their whole deal. I didn't, I, it was hard, but I tried really hard not to waste a ton of time on these NPCs that I didn't know if they were ever going to be encountered or not. So Jiminy is a dock worker, question mark, white beard, knows about kindred, talks about werewolves, scared of being bitten. I thought that would be a fun thing to role play. This is just stuff I thought of randomly, just kind of on my own here. For Ricardo, I have young, undiagnosed schizophrenia, loud outbursts. And for Consuela, I have old bag lady, uh, does not speak English, seems kind. So I was going to go from there. I'm not entirely sure how this is going to play out. I don't exactly know how I want Xion to, you know, guide her to this feeding, but we'll see. 
And of course, for Shion and Armand, I have added some things to their NPC sheets. I think I mentioned this before as well, but just to recap, uh, for each NPC, I include their HP, their willpower, their name, their clan, how many years ago they were turned, and I put a date on the last revised, so I don't know if that's going to be useful, but, you know, as of this certain date, this NPC is in this state. Uh, I use a virtual notepad, so wasting paper is not too much of an issue for me. So for Armand, I just have, you know, like I mentioned before, but I'll go over it again because this is the prep episode. I didn't change anything uh, in this part of the character, but I have, you know, a physical description. Uh, white, late 30s, long dark brown hair, tied back, suit coat, unbuttoned shirt, looks like he's on his way to a fancy party, round rim shades. Then the other category that I tend to add is stunning smile, handsome, manly, in quotes. So basically I just want them to have uh, first, you know, like a raw physical description followed by a, you know, description of their aura, their personality, like what, what kind of vibe they give off. Next, of course, I include their stats, uh, which I'm still not super comfortable with. I don't know what's strong or what's weak, and we haven't done a ton of battle, so I haven't really gotten to refine this area much. And even worse, uh, you know, I, I include stats and I include skills, which I just pick based on character creation rules and then fill in according to what I think that is suitable for the character. But the big problem is I don't have any, what's the word? talents i don't have their spells essentially their clan specific abilities worked out and i don't really know how i'm going to go about choosing those for everyone like if you're a dungeons and dragons player i guess it'd be the equivalent of like choosing your spells for a character now for DD, i have a general idea oh, okay clerics can heal they can cure they can cure poisons they can restore hp they have buffs in vampire i don't know what i don't have a sense for what goes where so I just haven't been listing those things. That's probably going to come around to bite me in the behind at some point. So I'd really, next thing I'd like to look at is, uh, you know, get comfortable with those abilities, but also, you know, revamp these character sheets in such a way that I can list the things that will actually come up. But anyway, uh, aside from that, I have, like I mentioned before, the, you know, the tidbits of information that are highlighted in different colors. So you know, I'll have these facts about the characters. If it's highlighted in green, they share that information freely. If it's highlighted in yellow, they will share it under the right circumstances if the player wins a role or, you know, if they feel close to the player. And red, if it's something that they prefer, remains a secret. For Armand, I just have that he feels he has more important tasks to attend to, but was asked personally by Malachi to do this because K is an important asset. That's red. That's something that Armand does not want K to know and would not share that information freely. In yellow, he still gets a kick out of being a quote-unquote dad. I really want Armand to be like a fun character and kind of, I don't know, a sexy character in a way who has a good sense of humor. I don't know how close he's going to be. He's, you know, he's supposed to be in a position of power here, so normally he wouldn't be taking such an active role in the, uh, you know, in the orientation of a new vampire, especially since, you know, Malachi is just churning him out. But Kay is special for reasons that we'll have to figure out. So here he is. In green, he has views feeding like eating, 
and is indifferent toward the act. Quote, it's us or them. So I also add quotes that help me get a feel for the person's um, personality. And yeah, that's Armand's, which I guess makes him sound like a bit of a jerk. Then for each NPC, I have a second page of these little tidbits. I have one for Armand. I separate them into categories. So for Armand, I have those three on the front page that I just told you that are supposed to be, you know, there's a high chance that that will come up. And then on the second page is, you know, if Kay is in a position where she's going to be chatting with this person in great detail or having a longer conversation, then I have another page of just go-to stuff. And I add to these pages as time goes on. Sometimes I'll add to them, you know, because new events in the game came up and information will become relevant. Or I'll add to them just stuff that I think sounds cool that I'll just be like taking a shower and I'll think of that. Oh, wouldn't that be neat? And then I'll add it after I'm done in the shower, obviously. As far as the other scenes go, the going back to the condo, uh, that one I don't really have a big plan for. I don't really, I really hope that doesn't happen. I'm going to really try to convince her to uh, not go that route. But, you know, it really seemed after the first two sessions that she wants to know what's up with her family. She wants to go home. So I'm like, you know, fuck it. (laughs) If she wants to go back so bad, I'll just make a plan and whatever happens, happens. So right now, I'm basically just going to try to remember, have Xi'an go with her, have her buy tarp so that they can like block the windows so that she doesn't burn herself to death. And I'm just going to have her husband be gone right now. Me. I wanna, I'm going to have me be gone and I'll deal with me later. I don't know what to do with myself, but it just came up in the other, in the session. And apparently I am a thing in, in here. So, but I don't know what to do with myself. So right now I'm just gone. Safe, but gone. What I figured I would do was she goes back, she doesn't see a sign of struggle, she stays there for the night, and then I would just clean it up with text messages from her husband that would let her know, okay, don't worry, I'll tell you more later, but right now, I'm not home. I don't know if that's lazy, but I didn't want to go too far prepping down this route that I'm not super passionate about, so, but I figured I should at least have a minimal framework set up just in case. And the third and final scenario, now this is going to come, it's going to seem like it's coming out of the blue, because I don't think I brought this up in the previous prep episodes, but Xion, uh, one of his things is he's in love with this ghoul, but the ghoul is not his ghoul, she belongs to someone else, and he's really into her, and that's part of his story, it's like his dark hidden side, because right now he's a bit of a white knight, he doesn't have anything, you know, bad about him, Uh, but there is that, and he lies he will lie and say that this girl is his girlfriend and this guy's keeping her against uh, her will. But that's not actually true. So to explore that a bit more, my third scene, I think I read it earlier, but it's Xion makes a detour to where Yuki stays to try to yet again to convince her unsuccessfully to leave with him. So Yuki is the love interest. I I, uh, don't have a ton about her fleshed out yet other than she's just also Japanese uh, maybe they, you know, met. That's That might be how they met. I haven't decided. But she's like sprung on this dude, this vampire, this old British vampire who's like an old school punk. Uh, inspired a little bit by Carver from L.A. by Night, but not, not based on him exactly. And this guy's way less cool than Carver. Carver is a cool character in that actual play stream, L.A. by Night. This dude's just like an old, old punk uh, kind of uncool, uh, 
But, you know, he's kind of thinks he's cool because he surrounds himself with a harem of addicts. And Yuki happens to be one of them. I want to slip this in somewhere. And I, I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, I got to be flexible. So I don't know if it's going to happen this time or if it's going to happen next time. But it is something I want to explore and have begun prepping for. So we'll see what happens there. For now, I guess that's it. Uh, I want her to, you know, feed. Uh, hopefully it's traumatic and terrible. And then she'll learn, oh, crap, this is my life now. And then we'll go from there. Uh, I don't know which of the scenes that she's going to go for, but we'll see. I also don't know if all the information I prepped is necessary or even useful. But that's part of the learning process. So I'm going to go through it and I'm going to see, okay, what did I use? What didn't I use? And try to continue to refine my stuff. So with that, I leave you with the actual play episode number three. Enjoy. Enjoy.